Right, it's Friday the 12th of February, and I have just witnessed another shambolic week in the Australian Parliament. The one thing I really like to see is one good, solid week. This week, I've got to say, the changes even Bill Shorten look good. It was an appalling week for Malcolm Turnbull for a number of reasons. Now, if you've listened to the last couple of podcasts from me, I've talked about how hopeless it was letting the tax debate run feral, go wild, with no structure, and how everyone expects that they'll get their little piece, and when the crunch comes, you can't satisfy any of them. So what do you do? Three-tenths of five-eighths of bugger all, which is exactly what they're going to do. You can forget about big reforms. There are going to be none of them under Malcolm Turnbull. He's killed off the option of, of increasing the GST. Now, only if you increase the GST could Australia have internationally competitive tax rates. The classical thing that you, you always look at for governments, and I think reality is Labor made an art form of this in the Hawke and Keating years, is you get by with bracket creep. As people's wages increase and they hit new thresholds and their tax rate goes up, that's what keeps government revenue going. You keep on the boil by taking more and more out of individuals. And that usually means little individuals, not the billionaires, but the people who are transitioning from earning 65, they get to 70. Average weekly earnings are now about 80. And when you hit 80, you now get the tax rate of 37.5%. Now, that $80,000 threshold will be reached during the next three years by average weekly earnings. There's an awful lot of workers over the next three years, literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them are going to go into that tax bracket. And I reckon there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them that are going to be very, very angry, very surprised and very angry that they're paying so much tax. Now, the only way you can ever get that rate down solidly, and I mean by enough to make sure that it doesn't matter over the next five, five years, is to get that rate down by, say, seven or eight cents. You've got to do a big job on it, a big job. But, of course, that costs billions. And the government hasn't got billions to do it with unless it had increased the GST. If it increased the GST and whacked down those, um, uh, th those rates, as in the top two rates of income tax, and, of course, let's not forget company tax. Company tax internationally is so uncompetitive. The rates we're paying over 30 cents is a joke internationally. It's no wonder that all these companies are setting up in Ireland or wherever and ducking the tax. Of course they are, because we charge so much. We give them an incentive to go somewhere else and pay no tax. Now, we're going to crack down on them. The government is doing that. Scott Morrison, I think, is doing a, a reasonable job on that. He's been a bit slow, but at least he's getting there. And so Google and Apple and Shell and Caltex, and by the way, not to mention BHP, they take quazillions out of, out of Australia and pay no bugger all tax on it. Well, I mean, they're going to get stopped, and I'm, I'm delighted to hear it. But again, that's, that's not going to produce the sort of money to do all the things that we want to do. If you want to get that tax, those tax rates down, the only way was going to be an increase in the GST. Now, the Labor Party have this flat blanket opposition to an increase in the GST. And it's actually not very intelligent when the crunch comes. And the reason it's not very intelligent is this idea that it's such a regressive tax, I don't think people really think about. If you want to tax wealth, you have a GST. What do you think the wealthy do? They spend their money. So they don't buy a Holden, they buy a Bentley. So when you're spending 600 grand buying a car, then, and it's 15%, 15% GST, you're paying 90 grand GST. Why don't people think about that? 
because that's what the rich people do. They don't just buy a little television, they'll buy a, a screen that fits the whole wall. They buy the biggest fridges and lots of them. They buy the biggest everything, the most expensive everything. And so they pay through the nose. It's the rich who really, really get hit. It's the only way you're going to tax wealth in this country. And I don't understand why the Labor Party can't even come to some grip with that. And of course, you can compensate. Now, you go back to when John Howard had the courage to step up, put his hand up and say, we need a GST. Huge argument, massive argument. He took it to an election and he won. It was narrow, the victory wasn't wonderful, but he had the guts to go out there and sell it. And, of course, the big argument was, it's a regressive tax, you'll hit the poor. He did a pretty good job of making sure that didn't happen. It wasn't perfect, but it wasn't real bad. When was the last time anyone listening to this podcast, anyone heard somebody say, gee, I'm doing badly out of the GST, it's killing me because I can't afford it? I mean, it doesn't happen. It's not an issue. It was a huge issue when, when Howard took it on. But because he demonstrated that, yes, you can, if you try hard, if you focus, and if you're serious about your intent, you can compensate those who don't have a quid. And there's no reason in the world to think that couldn't have happened this time. Now, yes, because they let this debate run too far, there were all sorts of people with their, their hands up. So the states wanted a, a great big chunk for health and education, uh, without, by the way, much in the way of justification. They just want to spend more. I'd like to know how they're going to spend it and why they're going to spend it. I mean, all that money, just think about it, all those billions we throw at education. Last 15 years, things have got worse. When I went to Morris Brothers Cogra and I lined up in 1959 to go into year five, 1959, there were 52 in my class. Now, have a look around today. Those 50 do have done pretty bloody well. It didn't seem to kill them off. They seemed to manage. With one, of course, there was a brother out there with a cane who'd whack you if you blink wrongly. But that, nonetheless, they did pretty well. That group, as they went through, I, I look at, at how some of them have done, and it's, it's pretty impressive. So the education wasn't all that bad. It seemed to manage. We've spent all this money. We've reduced class sizes down to, to what, 20-odd you know, or something in, in most cases. But the education outcomes are all worse. As distinct from some are worse, they're all worse. We're less numerate and we're less literate. Now, how come we're, we're both of those? We're, we're less literate and less numerate, and yet... So all that's happened over all the billions and billions and billions we've thrown at education is that we've got very, very much worse. Now, think about that, very much worse. Internationally, we're just slipping down the scale in the OECD countries. You know what's number one? Finland. Why the hell is Finland out there in front of us? Can't possibly have the money that we have. I mean, what do they do in Finland? There's no such thing as, as industry much. They don't, have, they don't have minerals, mind you. They don't seem to matter much these days either. But I mean, quite seriously, it's not a big economy. Yet they manage to slaughter the rest of the world. But one thing's for certain, we are just getting worse. And so I, I think the states ought to justify all this money they want to spend. I know that Gonski is regarded as something you... That challenging it is, is akin to challenging the existence of the Almighty. But I, I would have to say that it's worth challenging. I mean, I, I just don't think, as a, as, a, as a lay person, as the ordinary punter that I am, I can't believe that our results have got so much worse when we've spent so much money. But that was one of the ways they were, they were going to squander some of the, uh, the $36 billion that, that the increase in the GST would have brought about. But, you know, there were all of these things. There were so many. Everyone had their oar in the water. But... And that's why I think the debate was such a shocker. 
But interestingly in this debate, have a look at the way it, it actually went. You had only a couple of weeks ago Scott Morrison doing two things. One, advancing the cause of an increase in the GST. Out there with the courage to have a go. And at the same time, he made it retreat impossible on another front because he went out and he told us that if you go flat out on cuts, if you, you know, slash and burn and you do what, what Hawk and Keating did or what Howard and Costello did and actually what Abbott and Hockey so badly failed at doing in 2014, then you could push a fragile economy into recession. Now, I've got some sympathy with this because internationally... Just look at how bad things are. The United States is again slowing. And it looks like the, uh, their, uh, their Federal Reserve has pulled the wrong rein at exactly the wrong time, increasing interest rates just as the figures come in showing America slowing down. It looks like Europe may well go into recession. Nothing good is happening there. It's really struggling. Japan, well, that's stagnated. It's now a total and utter mess. And then you've got China. And here they are. They're, these are the new capitalists on the block who don't know how to be capitalists. That they've got a control economy, so they can order you to do whatever else. If you don't do it, you get shot. That having been said, they just don't understand when the markets won't do what they tell them. They have no idea uh, of some sort of subtle economic response. And so they're floundering around, trying all the time to play with their currency and failing dramatically on pretty well every front. Now, yes, growth there is still going to be 5%, but a few years ago it was 9 I mean, you know, we, we have to understand there's a massive change happened in China and I don't know when and if it'll turn around, but one thing I do know, it ain't going to happen anytime soon. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, that means your commodities are going to stay worth nothing. You, you can forget big increases in iron ore prices and coal prices and oil prices, etc. Not going to happen. So you're not going to, you know, get back on the, on the, on the back of the miners. It's not going to happen in Australia. And so we're going to have to do all sorts of different things. And if, if all of those countries suddenly slip into recession, and by the way, there is a chance of a worldwide recession. You can't, you can't just say that's fanciful or that's just gloom and doom talk. It's reality these days. There's a real chance that's going to happen. So I think maybe Morrison might be right. You can only do little things. So what's, what does it all mean? Malcolm Turnbull has killed off the opportunity for big reform. He stopped it dead in its tracks. Now, I've said it before, but it's always worth repeating. Malcolm Turnbull is in love with that popularity rating of 60%. He doesn't want to do anything to jeopardise it. He loves being popular. He loves being 40% in front. Mind you, you can't just talk the talk. You do at some point have to walk the walk. Now, if you're any sort of an economist, but even if you're just the average punter, have a look and say to yourself, well, he got the job in September. It's now February. He's had five months. What has he done? What is the actual achievement in that period? Answer, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zilch. Zero. That's what the answer is. Now, he's talked it up, and I, I, I'm glad that he talked it up. It's a great time to be an Australian. It's never been more exciting. Well, I'm hopelessly excited, I've got to say. But that having been said, getting hopelessly excited doesn't put a quid in my pocket. And this is what's wrong. He's done nothing to change things around. The innovation statement's a joke. I can't think anyone can remember what was in it now. But that's like all innovation statements. Every government puts one out because it's kind of de rigueur. You, ha you just have to do it. But once you do it, it means nothing. Absolutely zilch. So everybody ignores it. And I, I, don't, even remember, I don't even think Christopher Pine, whose statement it was, could actually remember what was in it because uh, no one talks about it. He doesn't. 
Malcolm Turnbull does, and it's just one of those bits of flim-flam that governments introduce because they think they have to. But they disappear. It's not real. What would be real is if they did something that would add to growth. They continually talk about that. It's the mantra of Scott Morrison. But what have they done to increase growth in Australia? And the answer is absolutely nothing. And if you wanted big reform, something like big changes to those tax rates was about the only thing on the block. And so you're back to cuts. But again, as I just said, you can't really have them. So I tell you what will happen in the May budget. There'll be cuts, but they'll be little cuts. And we'll have little reform. Australia is doomed never to dream big. We're going to dream little. That's all we're capable of at the moment. And under Malcolm Turnbull, popularity is what matters, not results. And given that he's got Bill Shorten as his opponent, he figures that he can get away with it. He figures that he can go right through to an election and beyond. He can win, and win well, doing nothing. Now that, I guess you can say, it's a pretty clever political judgment. I'm not going to bag it. I mean, good luck to him. But what does it mean to us? What it means is Australia is officially adrift. We hope we don't hit the rocks. We hope we land on the beach. But we've got no idea which one of those two options is, is going to occur. No idea at all. We just live on hope now. We just hope it all turns out. Australia, if it's going to be doing well in the economy over the next few years, will have to rely on America coming good, Europe coming good, Japan coming good and China coming good. Tell you what, when you look at what's happening in the world today, how many of you listening to this really believe all of those places are going to come good in a flash? No, this is a time where Australia has to make its own good fortune, where Australia has to have its, its own books in such good order that we've got a way to go forward. I don't think that's going to happen. And ahead, you know, only in the next three to four years, you get the really big money coming in on schemes like the NDIS. And that means like 10 billion a year. It doesn't mean a few bob. It's massive. And I just don't know how this government's going to pay for it. I think Scott Morrison is an admiral type of fellow. I think he'll have a go. But I think his boss, when last Sunday did those two interviews that cut the GST out from under him, is really much more, much more concerned with his own, own fate, with the fate of his election coming up this year, than he is with the fate of the nation, or indeed with Scott Morrison's fate. Now, I just believe none of that is good enough. I would love to see us go a whole lot better. Now, I want to finish off on one point. You only have ministerial standards for one reason, and that is that you want Australia to have confidence in the way in which ministers behave. And those standards, you can say, are quite strict, but they need to be. They mightn't have been this strict 20, 30 years ago, but times change, eras change. And when they change, you change with them. And so Malcolm Turnbull promised us this, this great government. And yet this week, you saw a minister in Stuart Robert clearly having breached the rules. Those photographs of him over there in China with the Chinese minister, just sitting with the minister having a meeting, are bizarre. He's there as a private citizen, but of course what he's there is to help his mate out. Now I understand helping mates out, I've been accused of that plenty of times. But as a minister, I never flew over to China to, 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 to sign a deal. I mean, I, I find it bizarre that he thought he could get away with it. And the rules are clear. So you knew last Monday, for absolute certainty, that you had a minister who'd broken the rules. Now you expect then, and I did, I couldn't understand the delay. I just thought Malcolm Turnbull would stand up and say, sorry, Stuart, I need your resignation on the desk. I thought he'd do that Monday morning. I thought it would be over Monday lunch. But it didn't happen that way. 
it dragged on the entire week because he has this bizarre belief that you should never give up one of your own in the face of the enemy, that you should always hang on to them. And in some way, you're a tough guy because the moment Parliament's over, the next day you sack the minister. It's just like uh, Mel Brough at Christmas. Everyone knew he had to go. And what happens? He goes, I think, I actually was always saying he'd, he'd go before Christmas, although I was wrong, he went two days after Christmas. But I think the point is, I was always right. We knew he'd go. And we knew Stuart Robert would go. But it's only today, Friday, that Turnbull announces he's gone. Why? Why let it drag on for five days? Why let a tax debate drag on for five months, doing your harm every minute of that period, when you know there's a quick fix? You can stand up and announce your intentions, do it properly, do it quickly. As Shakespeare, didn't he say, if it's, it's best to be done, it's best to be done quickly? This ought to have happened a lot earlier. Malcolm Turnbull is just not decisive on these things. And, I, I mean, he can be decisive on on reconciliation or whatever, well, that's terrific, says every Prime Minister, because it's easy. It's easy to get up and sound nice and sound good. But I'll tell you something about being Prime Minister. It isn't easy. Being Prime Minister means hard choices, hard decisions and hard politics. This bloke ain't hard.